Welcome to Friday Night Party Line. I'm your host, Victor Frost, and tonight we've got a bevy of, uh, well, their topics anyways. Here on the panel, we've got both Adam and Kate McIntyre-Ross. Hey, guys. Hello. Both on one camera. What a feat of technology this is. How you guys doing today? Great. Pretty good. Good. Happy to see each other. Ah, well, that's a blessing. Uh, it's been a while. How have you guys been? Doing all right? Uh, I've been great. New job coming. New job and me getting to move back where I want to move. Woo! Woo! Uh, FRC North to the FRC West Earth. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we also have Nelson. Hey, Nels. Hello. Nels, you 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 bumping that Overwatch on your lower third right now, huh? Oh, I guess so. I've still got that from forever ago. But yeah, <laughs> let's play a game. Yeah. And uh, we have Jerba. Hey, Jerbs. Hi. Uh, your your winter plumage is coming in nicely. Yeah, gotta keep my head warm somehow. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, uh, so we've got some, uh, got some interesting. We've got two. We've got two topics this week. I'd say some is a bit of an exaggeration, but we have two. Uh, first things first, and it's kind of a shame Skojo isn't on the show for this one. He he'd tear right into it, but he's at Kineticon right now. Lucky bastard. So uh, we've got uh, Hillary Clinton and the results from the FBI investigation of uh, the whole email server thing which <laughs> yeah thank you did, uh, did you like how the first thing that the republicans came out and said was well now we have to investigate the investigators because they didn't find yeah. exactly what we wanted them to find <laughs> they must also be doing something wrong you couldn't exactly. possibly be that there was nothing there I mean, the FBI okay. didn't even say there was nothing. They didn't even say there was nothing there. They said, yeah, I mean, she did, you know, there were, like, out of the t- tens of thousands of emails in there, there were, like, 30 emails that had even remotely sensitive information in them. So, but even then, it's like, it's not a crime, evidently. No, it wasn't 30. It was specifically eight. There were specifically eight, and multiple of them were the same email ah. uh, sent with additional emails on it. So it was just a further email exchange. There were only ah. eight email chains. That's what happens when you reply all. If you can't do 30,000 emails and come up with literally, well, she was a little careless. Can we, can we just move on now? I mean, why is... Why has this gotten years of attention and uh, we have, we've spent thousands and thousands no, and thousands of millions. Millions. millions of dollars on this idiocy? When everybody, oh, no. Nobody's gotten anywhere with it. In the meantime, we we're ignoring things like, oh, Donald Trump is being accused of rape. Nobody's reporting on that. <sighs> well, and, and to, to, to go into the emails and politics behind the emails, if you really care about this issue... You would investigate the fact that every single Secretary of State is reported to have saved emails on a private server going back to Colin Powell. And then on top of that, you had Bush and Cheney having a complete massive private server, <laughs> and they destroyed what, how many emails? It was hundreds it was like, of emails. Yeah, it was, I think, like, like 2 million emails or something like that. It was a lot of, of emails. Of White House emails. Before they left off. Huh. So if you 
cared about this issue, you'd be going after multiple people and it would be a bipartisan look at all of these officials who've been doing this for this long of a time. And some people are saying, well, the rule that came into effect uh, and why they're investigating Clinton is that it came in in 2009, but there were actually protocols before that for class handling of classified documents. It's just they made the rule stricter in 2009. Well, I think the big issue is is that where you have the the House and the and the Senate, who obviously they care so much about this, um, when really they really wouldn't couldn't give a shit about it, and they're just taking the opportunity to make up to stir up a big fuss in front of all the cameras and everything like that on an election year. It's because they're that certain that Hillary Clinton will win. Yeah. that they need to do everything they can to try and stop her. Because as I've said before, their entire party, or at least what it is now, is not really concerned with doing whatever is best for the people of the country, but more interested in staying in power and getting in power and maintaining that power for as long as possible. Well, so, I mean, yeah. Why else get into politics? <laughs> I think also they know that the public is going to tolerate it because since the she first appeared on the political stage since the, what, early 90s and was more than just a woman who would smile quietly next to her husband. She's been vilified and demonized by mm-hmm. the Republican Party. There's been a huge campaign, and it's, and it's worked. The public does not like her particularly well, and so they can get away with doing this because she's not liked. I think there was also a lot of confirmation bias going on. Well, of course. Yeah, I think that people wanted to see her taken down the peg or see something come out about her. So when they constructed the nonsense about it, people were ha- happy to jump on that bandwagon and be like, oh, see? See, we told you she was shady. We told you she was doing these things. And now people are on the bandwagon like, oh, yeah, no, look, the FBI was saying she was totally guilty. But if it was anyone else, they'd be charged. She's just not being charged because she's Hillary Clinton. Which is absolutely not the case. Yeah, precisely. The FBI said no fucking thing of the sort. What are you talking about? (laughs) The FBI said, well, it's not impossible for someone to get punished for this sort of thing. Many people get punished for things like this. But in this case, we found absolutely no evidence to actually punish her with. We found evidence of negligence but not really anything that actually would constitute a crime. Did you watch the video of uh, the head of the FBI responding to, to Gowdy? He said like Ga- he um, said to Gowdy something along the lines of... Okay. But I caught the transcript. But yeah. go on. Okay, so, he said, so Gowdy asked him point blank, like, is there anything illegal? And to sum it up, he said no. That there were some careless things there, but nothing illegal. And Gowdy kept trying to push him to be like, "You sure that there's nothing? You're positive?" And if you watch it, he kind of like tries to fish for something he can latch on to, to be like, "Aha!" He's he's like playing a gotcha game with the head of the FBI. And yeah. <laughs> out of nowhere, the other guy feels like, well, "No, this question." I feel okay. like this, like the the two pronged uh, Benghazi and email attack against Clinton pretty much ended when they did that 11-hour hearing and basically (laughs) produced 11 hours of footage of her, like, responding to them and, you know, kicking their asses verbally. (laughs) There was also quite a bit of footage of her actually just straight up laughing. Yep. 
<laughs> which was amazing. I'm pretty yeah. sure I would not have the fucking spine to just laugh in the face of that sort of thing. <laughs> but uh. speaking of Gary, here's something just a bit funny. He's trying to slingshot at her about mishandling classified information, and hmm. he's the Tea Party Republican who has been the biggest hard charger behind the email scandal because I'm pretty sure he's either the or one of the originators of the email scandal and he was also a pretty hard charger on the Benghazi scandal as well that the email scandal sprung out of he's talking what about her he Benghazi? <laughs> uh, yes what if um, but the thing is that during the hearings he actually got in a lot of trouble because he presented a bunch of Hillary Clinton's emails as evidence and like heavily redacted saying that oh this is information that she shouldn't have been passing around the CIA has classified it for the protection of our sources rah, rah, rah. it came out about a month later that the CIA basically went what we don't know what the fuck you're talking about <laughs> <laughs> we never classified that document and then the agencies responsible for actually enforcing classification went yeah, we've never seen that shit before either. That's not even classified. It turns out that Representative Gowdy had actually just censored it himself. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> and with, like, no oversight or instruction from literally anyone else. <sighs> straight up lied yeah. to the commission. That's How can there not be any legal ramification for that? Like, making stuff up to try and accuse somebody else of a crime, and there's literally no fallout from that. It's just like, oh, well, I tried to lie and just, you know, falsify I, evidence, but since I'm in charge, I guess it's okay. How is there no fallout from that? Yeah. I, my big thing is that through this entire process, and, and Kate really put the the nail on hit the nail on the head earlier that it's 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 a witch hunt the but the entire process is so blatantly just them trying to go after hillary you know they say well we can't trust the you know we we need to put all these emails under investigation of the fbi we need to get this stuff looked at and then the fbi aha they'll reveal the truth about the situation and then that crooked hillary she'll get her comeuppance for her misdeeds and then when the fbi comes out and says uh, uh she's i mean it's it was kind of doofusy but i mean come she's, she's there's no crime here they're like well, clearly the FBI is, you know, under her thumb or some bullshit like that. And the conspiracy it goes all the way up happens to be the GOP trying to pin something on somebody who's innocent, not the other way around. <laughs> yeah, it's just amazing how somehow every agency and group and everything else that finds her innocent of the things she gets accused of is horribly corrupt and obviously just uh, bought off by her. Mm. Well, and the worst thing is that there are legitimate things, probably about every candidate, but about, also about Hillary Clinton, that you could attack or you could go after. But the problem is the Republicans can't really do that with Hillary Clinton because she's so moderate to really moving into being what used to be a fairly moderate Republican that if they go after her policies, they're going to find, oh, they're actually really similar to what we were pr promoting in the late <laughs> Or, or nowadays, I mean, my biggest problems with her personally are uh, her neoliberal economic stances, which, I mean, they can't really attack her on that, mm -hmm. um, and her, her, like, hawkish international stances. And again, 
they can't really attack her on that. The, the worst they can do is say Obamacare is basically what she recommended that we have in the 90s, but Obamacare has also been shown to be significantly more popular with the masses mm -hmm. and particularly the voting masses in recent polls. So it doesn't make sense to go after that or you're going to lose a lot of voters. I mean, but I mean, since, okay, yeah, Obamacare, successful, but for their base, I mean, the only thing they can say about Obamacare and the only thing they really have been saying is that they've been calling it basically a disaster, which is a lie. Um, and, but there's really no point in saying it is because their base already believes that. Without but the thing is, they're actually trying yeah. to expand their base because they can't get a. They honestly, they can't get a president if they don't a new president, a Republican president, if they don't expand their base at this point. The math is just not going to work out for them. They need to eat. They need to get minorities into the Republican Party. And the best move for that is to get Donald Trump as your candidate. <laughs> Nothing says unifier. That wasn't the, that wasn't the plan. Nothing says unifier like a yellow fungus-colored apricot. I think they wanted Jeb Bush and his Hispanic wife and children, and I think that that would have really they would have been able to at least think, make it look like they were more open to minority issues, or they wanted perhaps Cruz, who has some legitimate Hispanic cred, or you know. Little Ruba. Or, or, Little or, Marco. wait, or we could go with the guy who the neo-Nazis like. <laughs> that guy. Let's go with him. That, honestly, that was, they stoked the flames of the Tea Party. They stoked the flames of the fringes. They stoked the flames of the anti-intellectual, anti-education groups for so long that they, they're now reaping what they've sown. Yeah. They've made their bed and they are not excited to sleep in it. Well, there was just the fight today with, or today or yesterday, where Trump went to, you know, went to meet with the Republicans in Congress. Oh, and God, were, that was beautiful. There was a huge fight because apparently Trump has never read the Constitution. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, oh, yeah, wasn't he's, uh, uh, he's going to protect the what was it, Article 12? Yeah, he's going to protect the Article 12 and 27. Are you making these up as you go along? Because I think you're making these up. <laughs> Uh, I think really Jeb Bush was probably their best option, but really the biggest problem with their plan of having Jeb Bush as the president was the only person who wanted that less than the American people was <laughs> Jeb Bush. <laughs> well, and I it's think possibly the least enthusiastic presidential campaign I've ever seen. <laughs> short of short of Ben Carson, who I, yeah. I'm not entirely sure he understood where he was at any given moment. I'm not sure he does at any given moment. Part of me genuinely believes that Ben Carson is a performance artist, and then this was how he chose to share his message and vision with the world. He's not even really a Republican. He just kind of showed up to do his performance art, and they're like, oh, you must be one of the candidates. <laughs> like, I can't quit now. I've come too far. No, I think he wanted the national stage. I thought it was a sort of Mr. Bean, wrong place, wrong time kind of situation. Kind the of. man he just kind of wandered out uh, himself on stage was like, okay, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're doing this now? All right. <laughs> okay. I'm going to um, run actual Mr. Bean. That would be great. <laughs> Can you imagine Ben Carson coming onto a stage going, Mr. Robaroba? 
I just want him to sit in the Met and do the, you know, the artist is present, remake that, and you just come and you sit and you stare at him and he lazily stares well, no, Whoa. no. What it does is that they're going to call him on stage, but they're going to have to do it like three or four times because he's going to be waiting in the wings for like ten minutes <laughs> before he walks uh, on. Did he just super high? Nah. I, I, think, he's, he's I think he's just super dumb. Well, super you know, he he was a neurosurgeon, so he did have access to some hella drugs. Yeah, I know, right? I, I think that he is just, he does one thing really, that's like his thing is neurosurgery and nothing else public speaking, policy making. The problem is he doesn't seem to know about medicine when he's asked about it. He's he doesn't need to know about medicine to stab someone in the head. <laughs> right. Um, he did actually have a pretty high malpractice rate. Not, yeah. not, oh, not so much that he couldn't get insurance and be a practicing surgeon, but forced... Right. But he was starting to push that ceiling. Uh, I, think, I think the big problem about him was that I think what happened was that he said, man, he was really frustrated about how the country was being run. And he heard somebody just out of in, in earshot saying, man, politics can't be that hard. I mean, it's not exactly brain surgery. And he said, I'm a brain surgeon. <laughs> I, I prefer to imagine that, like, he was just going, no, I'm sick. America. I know how it's run, that's pretty okay, but I'm sick of what they think about pyramids. We <laughs> 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 uh, laugh about the Republican theater that's happening now, but it's weird to me that the American public thinks that this is new. Seeing as how, I mean, this first, it kind of started with Goldwater. He, he literally wrote the book on what have become the neoconservative tactics since pre-Nixon. But then you also think the mid-90s. Think about Newt Gingrich being on the floor of the Senate and when talking about women um, being in combat said that they they couldn't be in a ditch for a month because they just start bleeding out. And then he said that men were like pigs and had to hunt and that every man has this desire to go out and hunt a giraffe. I mean... Trump's not a new phenomenon, and Gingrich isn't a statesman. He's a wackadoodle. He's like he's like Sarah Palin and Donald Trump light. What a draw! Past that that line where enough people like people like you and I and, and you guys have been saying this about like the neoconservatives for a decade now about look how crazy the things that they're saying are, and everyone was like, oh no, and they brush it off, and the, the public was generally you know blasé about it. I think that one of the things that Trump has done is pushed that narrative so far into people's faces that they can't really ignore it or explain it away. Like, when he goes on these bizarre, rambling rants, they're completely incoherent. They are Palin-level weird. There's no ignoring what that message is anymore. I don't think anything could be quite Palin-level weird. Remember, Palin did a speech at one of his things, and even he was looking at her funny. So (laughs) That's true. I think the the big problem is that the well, it's not, actually, it's not a problem. It's kind of a blessing. Trump is pushing the rhetoric that has been sort of the the established rhetoric since well, I I'd say it really kicked up in the last maybe fifteen years or so. I of, think it predates 
uh, yeah. really. Well, I mean, he was, he's been at any rate, he's been kick, he's kicked it up to such a level that it is producing serious problems in the in the minds of hard quote unquote hardcore conservatives as to just how far they can push their own cognitive dissonance as to qualities they want qualities they would expect a normal good person to have and qualities they're willing to accept from a candidate and also oh an awareness of the other members of their party and the fact that if you're hanging out in a group and you realize there's a lot of horrible racists here do i really want to be in this group anymore i think that it's, it's making them come face to face with that reality yeah Unfortunately, it seems that the internet has also revealed that there's quite a lot of people who also say, man, there's a lot of people who don't like black people around me. They also seem to support the same person. (laughs) Obviously, since we agree, they're not really racist. You're the real racist. Oh, yes. Because you (laughs) you're racist. That's that's my you're 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 perpetuating racism because you acknowledge that it exists. There's going to be a logical fallacy in there. Somewhere. There is. So I just don't know which one it is. <laughs> Put all the fallacies on a dartboard and just throw. You're likely to hit something that applies. We figured out the other one with the uh, the the one where we said that the people who were on the internet were looking for something to validate their own reasoning and not looking for actual facts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, cognitive, yeah it's cognitive bias, I think. Yeah. 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 And I mean, it probably just the- doesn't help that mm-hmm. there's a large portion of the very young, very internet savvy population who, at the moment, are like either taking their first real big steps into politics because they're young, or they're just taking their first big steps into politics because it's the first time they've actually really cared. Yeah. Be that because of Trump or Bernie or Hillary or whoever else, but mm. they realize that shit's on the line this time, <laughs> might want to do something about it. And perhaps the biggest shit on the line is the fact that there's going to be a lot of congressional seats up, and mm. they're going to be pretty hotly contested in some areas where they haven't been for decades. I mean, just the, just the attitude. I mean, this is not just the awareness and the com- level of uh, internal conflict among the American populace that's been brought up you know through in this election cycle but I think more than it has been in a very long time the inter-party co- level of conflict that's you know been brought up to a boil I mean whether you're a Democrat and it's between Bernie and Hillary or if you're a Republican and it's sanity versus Trump you have these issues this is a big it's kind of coming to a head on this I mean just in the meeting that he had today I mean he attacked a congressman uh, what was his congressman a senator uh, Ben Sace of Nebraska and he didn't respond at that time, but in a release from a spokesman, uh, Sace said, um, with these two candidates, this election remains a dumpster fire. For a second there, mm-hmm. I thought you were going to say Senator Benghazi. <laughs> 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 that would have been the best thing ever if there was actually a senator called Benghazi. <laughs> well, I think there's also, again, been a lot of vilification of Hillary Clinton. And I think there's also been a deification of Bernie Sanders. And that's not to say that I don't, you know, honestly, in many issues, I identify more with Bernie Sanders than I do Hillary Clinton. But when they were both in the Senate at the same time, their voting records were 97% the same. They're very similar in what they actually do when they govern. That doesn't mean that their ideals aren't different. 
it doesn't mean that their methods are different. It means that their results are similar, incredibly similar. And particularly if you're going to have go either of them going up against a Republican-controlled Congress, it's pretty likely that the trajectory and accomplishments of their presidency would be incredibly similar as well. I think the big difference is that it feels like Bernie Sanders would be forced into pragmatism, whereas Hillary Clinton would would be seeking that pragmatic option in terms of accomplishments of you know things in office. I feel that Hillary Clinton, on the whole, seems to be if 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 from nothing but her her just her attitude on how thing on how results can be gained. It seems like she's almost a better statesman, a uh, stateswoman. Well, I think. I'm not disagreeing with that. I think her natural inclination is to compromise, and that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad word, and people use it as if it is, but you have to give something to get something, and right now the American people aren't getting anything. So I I think you and I are saying similar things. They would have different methods, but they would probably have very similar results. Yeah, basically. I didn't, I didn't get mad when Bernie lost. I mean, in New York, I, I, I'm a, was a Bernie supporter. I shifted over to Clinton now. But yeah, it was a hard choice. And I, I think that they're, they're both, either one of them would have been an excellent candidate. But, you know, like, the winds are blowing Clinton right now. So I think that she's going to be the candidate in the end. I've been putting some thought to the, to the last couple of weeks. And to be honest, I'm starting to think that maybe Bernie would not have a similar record to Hillary simply because... If you examine his positions over the years and what he's fought and what he's done, he's got a habit of a couple of things, which are incredibly intense stubbornness, basically (laughs) never giving up a point, lost causes, and just throwing himself on the altar of ideological purity and daring people to sacrifice him. I can't disagree with that. That makes him the bad guy. And that's not going to get ideological as his. Sanders is ideological as his primary motivator, whereas Clinton is... um, Results-driven. Clinton, yeah. She's results-driven to the detriment of ideologies in some cases, uh, in a a lot of cases. But she also can get things done in, you know, they're... She's she's an incrementalist, really, which Mm -hmm. is not fun, and there are arguments... What's up? She grinds it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that there are philosophical arguments against incrementalism, like, you know, incremental, uh, uh, incremental changes is sacrificing the, the ideals which we ultimately pursue. Why compromise? Right. Like look at, look at, uh, Obamacare, right? When, when they first introduced Obamacare and sent it to the Senate the first time, it had a single pair in there. It had all kinds of great, uh, um, like great Mm -hmm. aspects. And it got completely gutted, and we were all disappointed when it came out. But I think you're misremembering. He actually let go of single parent of single payer long before it actually reached. Bottom line is that they, they had wanted to put it in first, and it got removed. And there were a bunch of other measures that got removed before it got passed. And while we, I think everyone was disappointed that we didn't get single payer. Um, not yeah, everyone. <laughs> well, not everyone. But I think that the the progress that was made was more valuable than if we would have been super ideological about it and stuck to this or nothing. I think that we would have gotten nothing in the end. Well, and, and also, yeah, the- some people say that, that 
Clinton is not following her ideology, but you have to remember back in the early 90s, she put forward a program that was very similar to Obamacare. She was very forward thinking and tried to push it through a, a Congress that was at the time not all that friendly to her or her husband. And she came very close to achieving that. So I'm not so sure that she wasn't serving ideology back then and think had it passed then, maybe we'd have single pair by now. Maybe. <sighs> I think the thing that I, I've tried to reconcile myself with is that uh, Congress and the way that it works is not only incrementalist, but also it is, it's a bunch of the dysfunctions that like you would want to avoid in any other situation. It's like instead of passing, yeah, in, instead of passing like a few little bills and voting on things and what like our naive imagination of what Congress does, you know, the, 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 what is it? The bill on Capitol Hill? I was thinking schoolhouse, schoolhouse rock. rock bill. Yeah. Uh, instead of that, it's, you know, putting as many different uh, clauses into these massive omnibus bills and then arguing over them and then using, like, uh, basically rules lawyering for months, trying to get it to the floor or get it past committee or do all these things. And it's like metagaming it. Uh, and she's good at that. Yeah. Like, it's not a admirable skill, I guess, but it is a skill that gets results more often than not. So I think in terms of, and I, I I think that I have been saying this for a while, but of course memory is reconstructed every time we remember it, and <laughs> it is a flattering cognitive bias that I think my position has been uh, stable. But I think that that is what, uh, like, how I've, I've seen her. And it probably hasn't been because, again, cognitive bias. But um, I think that she would be an effective president. And in a lot of cases, it would be effective in things I like. Like, uh, paid family leave will probably happen within the next eight years. That's, you know, pretty good. We might also have another war. Like, that's not, with, that's not outside the realm of possibility. Um, oh, Russia. But, the, but it will be effective. I'm not so sure that we wouldn't have one if it was going to be a President Sanders. I think with what's, oh, that's, going, on that's right totally now, true. what's going on right now with ISIS, and particularly if you keep a more hawkish Congress, which we currently have, if you it, it may be something that where the issue is forced or the American conscious is feels like it's forced toward doing that. As oh, yeah. I think it was done with, you know, both Afghanistan and then later Iraq. I, I, I had eggs thrown at me when I protested the Iraq war. I was just simply ignored. And I, I get that because at least the Afghani war made some kind of sense in the context of the time. But the reality is something could happen between now and then that makes that makes it inevitable. Yeah. And if not inevitable, then... St- simply basically the wisest move if you wanted to remain president beyond the current term if not sooner because look at when we enter well i say we but uh <laughs> accusatory when you or well, excuse me Churba, with the power invested in me which is frankly nothing uh i hereby dub thee a uh, honorary american you may and now let solid. out the traditional caw of the eagle and, and proceed upon your weeness. Eagle! Very good. I'll eat a hot dog later. Here you go. Longer than we do. That's what you have to be to be a good immigrant. <laughs> <laughs> but 
basically something ridiculous like two-thirds of the American populace were highly in favor of going to war in Afghanistan. The American people had seen their blood shed, and now they wanted blood in return. Mm-hmm. They wanted some fucking Rambo shit to go down in the Middle East, and they weren't particularly picky about what that Rambo shit was. Our conscience came back like as time went on and we calmed down a little bit, and by the time the Iraq war rolled around, we'd pretty much figured out that, yeah, war is kind of a horrible business. We probably don't actually want to be a part of that because life's not an action movie, guys. But Bush wanted to get elected again, so off to yeah. Iraq we went. But at the time, a lot of people wanted it. A lot, a lot of people. Oh, I'm not, I'm most not people. denying that. Well, what bothers me is that at the time, people, like myself included, with the minimal amount of information that I, that I had, I, even I was like, all right, this, this weapons of mass destruction thing is nonsense, and they're never going to find anything. And lo and behold, they've never found anything. And Don't worry, I'm going right. somewhere. I'm going somewhere with this. <laughs> but uh, imagine if Bush had said, well, I know everybody wants to go to war, but... We don't really know. We're not going to go after the Taliban. We're just going to go after Osama instead. And, you know, even though the Taliban supported him, they're not really the people who did this to us. If he'd have done that and refused to go to war at that point, we probably wouldn't have had a President Bush for very much longer after. His own party would have kicked him out. Pretty much, yeah. Like, they would have found some reason to impeach him if he had gone against that. He wouldn't have even finished his term, I'd be willing to wager. Mm. Either his party would have kicked him out, public opinion would have kicked him out, one of the two. But either way, it would be basically just neatly sticking a dagger in the heart of his presidency. (laughs) Not that it's not a bad thing and not his fault that he went to war, but... In a situation like that, Bernie would still be just as stuck either going to war or not being president anymore. And once he'd finally gotten the job and was wielding that power, power's a lot harder to put down than it is to pick up. I'm not so sure we wouldn't have President Sanders announces war rather than President Sanders steps down. And that's a fair point. Okay. Well, we have uh, we have chewed this and many tangents. Uh, let us move on to somewhat lighter business. Uh, somehow, after, ooh, I'd say a little more than two decades of trying, Nintendo has finally managed to get people to go outside. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing that I've seen so far is the Reddit post where somebody says, how do you get the guy to move? And the reply <laughs> was, you go outside and you actually walk around. And the response was, What? <laughs> For those, hold on, just just to clarify, for those of you who are for somehow listening to us and still somehow have not found out about this, Pokemon Go is out. It's an augmented reality game uh, put out by Niantic uh, Laboratories uh, with blessings from Nintendo. Uh, it's a Pokemon augmented reality game. You go out, you catch Pokemans, you go to stadiums, all that jazz. So uh, continue, Nelson, please. Oh, so I after a few days of server issues, I finally got in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I walked outside like a, an hour ago. Mm-hmm. And I was looking around and two, a couple in their like 20s or 30s passed by me. And they were both looking at their phones and they looked at me and I looked at them. We just nodded. (laughs) Uh, 
I actually nearly ran some poor punk kid over. Because <laughs> he was playing, he was crossing the road and playing Pokemon Go, and I nearly cleaned him up with the van as he was trying to catch a god knows what. Was he like stopping the road or was he just crossing the road? No, he was just crossing the road. I would have slowed down a little bit sooner, but I was slightly distracted because I had my phone in its holder on the dash and uh, it pinged because there was a Pokemon available for capture. <laughs> <laughs> you maybe don't play it while you're driving? Yeah, don't Pokemon and drive, kids. Yes, no, I'm, I was not... Don't play with your Pokeballs while you're driving. I was not actively playing while I was driving, but I'll admit I did pull over a couple of times when I saw a good poke that I wanted to capture. <laughs> Did that I last night? When I walk the, the dogs because you know I'm going outside. I might as well. It's in, I keep on hitting the server issues where like there will be nothing for forever, and then I'll walk like another step, and all of the the Pokemon will spawn in all of a sudden. So I'll be surrounded by them. It's like oh, there they all are. <laughs> See, it's just like suddenly you're surrounded by Pokemon going. You came to the wrong neighborhood, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, then oh, Badoof, he's got a gun. He's so angry. I <laughs> uh, actually I found out that there is a a, a subreddit called the Silf Road, and uh, they're all about the Pokemon Goes. And I posted a link; you guys should click that. It's a really good. Um, so sometimes Pokemon Go spawns Pokemon in very uh, apropos and very appropriate <laughs> locations, and that I think is is one of them. It's a, a little Zubat in a basement. <laughs> uh, I sort of picture an image of these. Hmm? What's so am I the one of us who hasn't played it? And if so, can you guys explain, other than going out and finding Pokemon, like what the mechanics of the game are? So the mechanics of the game are as such. Um, obviously, the, the point of the game is to capture Pokemon. Uh, the way they incentivize this is 90s nostalgia, primarily. Um, but um, the... Pokemon. Well, the idea is that uh, the idea is that you and you'll be able to battle other trainers, and there'll be these massive events that you can participate in. It, it is really, it's, it's. Not, I, I mean, I don't personally find much incentive in it apart from, oh, it's Pokemans. Um, <laughs> but uh, they keep you engaged with the game by creating requirements. Like, for example, you'll need Pokeballs, right, to catch the Pokemon. Well, how do you get the Pokeballs? Well, you walk over to the little. Uh, what what do they call them? The Poke Spots or what are they? What? Poke Stores, I think. Yeah, you walk over to the Poke Stores, and once you get there, it's always a picture of a nice little local landmark. Either they pull it from Street View or something. Oh, and I know exactly where they pull it from. Oh yeah. All every single stop, every single gym, all of that, everything I've found so far that's like one of their in-game points that relates to real-world location. Oh, don't tell me. It's pulled from Ingress. Stripped, stripped straight out of Ingress. Oh, that's oh. pretty cool. Oh. Locally was a portal that I've attacked at some point or another. <laughs> so, you probably don't know this, but Ingress is another altered reality game that... I know what Ingress Never mind. <laughs> Ingress, well, for the, for the rest of the listeners, Adam, please. Uh, Ingress is another altered reality game that Google released where you would go around and try to create these power nodes and co- uh, connect them to capture territory for one one of the two teams. And all the locations were either put in by Google or uploaded by users. So, for example, if there was a sign for a landmark near you that wasn't marked, you could basically petition to have a node put there. And you could you know, draw power and draw items out of nodes and attack other nodes. But that's really clever that Niantic used 
the one software to put all the locations into uh, the other software. I wouldn't be surprised if they pulled most. I, I wouldn't be surprised if this was just Ingress with a Pokemon skin on it. To be honest, no, because Ingress was kind of garbage. Yeah, it really was. <laughs> like basically, unless you had the luck to live right in the middle of a large city. Yeah. Or you had a lot of friends locally, and you like went out and formed raiding parties to go and you know attack other teams' portals and things like that. You basically had no ability to get anywhere in ingress. It was and a higher level player. You could do literally nothing to stop them if they wanted to fuck you over. Yeah. So in Pokemon Go, you I get that you go out places and you collect Pokemon and you. Like, I'm understanding now that you get them to battle. Do you have to be in the same physical physical location yeah. as the other people to battle? Yes and um, Yeah, yes and no. Like, you don't have to be there at the same time, but to, like, say there's a gym literally just up the street from me. Uh, if, say, me and Joe Bloggs wanted, we were both going to fight our Pokemon, like, he would have to be a member of that gym so, like, he would have to go up and have his pokes in that gym. And I would have to go to that same location to battle his Pokemon in that gym. But we don't have to be there at the same time. It just records your Pokemon and AI battles for you, basically, as far as I know. Hmm. Do you think that this could be modded to use as, like, an in-real-life meet other geeks and potentially, like, dating format? Sort of like nerd Tinder. <laughs> find, a, like find, find a nerdy friend. How did you meet your husband? I swiped left on his gold bat. <laughs> <laughs> Her squirtle was adorable. Well, it depends on how Tinder you want to get, because it could very well be a, uh, I tickled his well, diglet. I don't necessarily mean Tinder. I mean just like a way to meet geeks and potentially... Well... I mean, I mean, how many? There have been a few articles in the news about people who have gone out and, and play Pokemon Go, and they've met other people playing Pokemon Go. No, oh, no, more so, that dead body. Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a girl went out and went out to play Pokemon Go. She wanted to go to a, a river to get a natural uh, a Pokemon coming out of a natural water uh, feature, and uh, she found a dead body. Funny enough, also found a ghastly. <laughs> so I thought that was a, a joke story. No, because it sounds like a joke story. But it, <laughs> it was a real story. It's a yeah. real story. Do you think um, there's going to be a rash of people finding bodies now? Now that there's like a lot more people going outside when they well, you know what this is like. This is this is geocaching. This is geocaching, and it's yeah, but, with Pokemon. But actually, but fun. But fun. Ooh, exactly. The dead body. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, You'll I'm not saying you will geocache a dead body. I'm saying that <laughs> on your way to that random-ass remote location, you might stumble on a dead body. Back in my day, we just called it hiding a dead body. Yeah, <laughs> I just find pirate souls. Is it a mill-type Pokemon? So, so Are there any there of these spots over water? Like these uh, I, I don't know about Pokemon spots, but assuming they're taking them from ingress spots, no, they're oh. all on land. I mean, with the exception of a couple that are on things like structures that stick out over the water, but that's mm. that's not really the same. You can still walk there. Mm. It'd be really cool if po uh, Pokemon Go, Go actually maybe 
worked out a way to get a bunch of people to show up at one location on a given day. Like, I don't know election day. Well, actually, getting getting a bunch of people to show up at one point was like a big part of their promotional campaign. Like, you'd show up to Times Square and you'd all have to battle, you'd all join in and battle Mewtwo or something. You know, that was a big part of their promotional campaign. Oh, yeah, that was was in the ads. But something that's already started happening is that, um, well, kind of friend of the show, PAX Australia, Madman, uh, Young Blomberg, he actually just went, you know what, I'm going to organize a bit of a Pokemon walk. A couple of people. And next there was like a thousand people who all just kind of gathered up in this one spot and went on a big Pokemon capturing hike. <laughs> but could you use games like Pokemon Go for some passive social manipulation? And I don't well, necessarily certainly. mean that in a bad way. I just mean to get people to show up to sure, protests. Probably and rallies and voting locations. A Trump rally to throw rocks. I think yeah. any... <laughs> yeah, you'll call it the Geodude-a-Palooza. <laughs> but yeah, 100%. You could absolutely do that. Yeah. I hope they- no question. Yeah, it was in there. Right now, there's the biggest issue is getting the servers to work consistently. Mm. Well, no- well, getting the servers to work consistently, as far as I could tell, has not been a problem if you sign in with Google as opposed to signing in with the the Pokemon thing. No problem. Still a problem? Yeah, I I mean, I have faith in Niantic because, I mean, they did a good job getting Ingress to actually function after a while. It took them a little (laughs) bit, but they got up and running and not jerking all over the place, you know, running out crashing. And uh, the the software right now seems to me at the early Niantic Ingress levels where things aren't quite working as they're supposed to. Mm. Are you looking for Pokemon, Nelson? Are you doing that right now? No, I just opened it to see if it was if the servers were still running, and they are. Do you have any Pokemon in your home right now? Uh, do I have any Pokemon? How do I find... These are the nearby ones. Oh, I leveled up. What? Okay. <laughs> got more Pokeballs. Uh, I do not know how to find that information. Uh, look at the map. If at all. No, if there's no Pokemon near you, there's none on the map. No, no, if I have any already. Pokedex. Oh, Pokemon. Um, yeah. Ah, I have a Rotata and a Charmander. No, what if, what if the Pokemon is on private property? Oh, no, where is it? Oh, well, so that there. happened. When I when I finally got, got in, it said that in my building, in my, like, next-door neighbor's apartment was a, uh, was a Charmander. And I was like, what do I do? Do I knock on their door? Is this, like... Is this would the, would that be weird? Hey, I think you have a Pokemon in your house. Please let me get it from you. Here's the um, two questions. There, one is it weird? Yes. Two, <laughs> should you do it? Yes. <laughs> well, so I found out uh, you. So when you have the dude, here's here's my little dude. He's not really walking around, um, but you see that circle around you. I believe you can tap any Pokemon there and just, like, try to get them. You don't have to be right next to where they are. You can, if you want to do the augmented reality way, you can walk up to a Pokemon. Um, but I believe you can also, like, about a block away, just, uh, yeah, just, just pop one of the Pokemon. Because I know there were a few that were in the middle of the road, and I was like, I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> <laughs> there is a range... 
road road squirtle. People are shooting Pokemon. Well, you throw the Pokeball at Pokemon. You don't. Oh, you said range, and I got confused. Yeah, I'm just imagining Nelson like cruising through New York City, like nearly gets run over by a taxi, and he just starts banging on the hood, taxi driver style, just being like, "I'm catching Pokemon here! I'm catching!" <laughs> so something I really like about the way that the map is designed um, is that you can see about three blocks away, and there's little icons that sort of fade out into the distance. Yeah, but the um, the gyms, I guess, is what these are. Uh, they're big things. Oh, yeah. And, like, there's a gym over there. It's, like, two blocks away. I could go there. I could walk up the block, you know, and, and see what's up over there. Hey, I just really yeah. That's a really good, like, game design. There are no gyms and no stores anywhere near me. <laughs> Hold the phone up for a sec. Uh, I just wanted to look at... Uh, it's a weird thing, but I just wanted to look at the color of the map on your screen. Hold on, I just have to... I mean, it's nighttime. Yeah, it's nighttime. Oh, that's weird. Sorry. No, that's Night. fine. Yours is, uh, yours is really gray, kind of, everywhere. Uh, it's less gray... Oh, yours is real bright. Yeah, hang yeah. on. Yeah. Let, me, let me turn mine on. See what that... It is, basi- is, like it is basically green everywhere around me all the time at the moment. What does the green yeah, mine's, mean? Yeah, mine's pretty green as well, if you look at that. Um... Is it a daylight versus nighttime thing? Maybe, because maybe. I mean, it is like uh, what is it? Like ten o'clock? Ten thirty? It's ten thirty. Uh, it's yeah. It's midday here. I don't think it's related to time of day. I think it's actually related to, according to Google Maps data, what kind of terrain you're on. That like, may be the it. Greener, oh, the There's greener it is, off. like the more trees and things like that around you. The yeah, we don't have holes in Brooklyn. There are literally woods right in my backyard. Yeah. I mean, like you know, you know, a tree grows in Brooklyn. That's literally the only tree. <laughs> okay. I th- also, I think I'm watching a battle happen over one of my local gyms. Like as we speak, it switched colors like four times in the last ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> See, I, I haven't gotten to the point where it's asked me to pick a team yet. I've only caught like maybe four Pokemon. So. I got a whole bunch of them, but I've got, like I said, there are no stores or gyms anywhere near me that I can see on the map. Even when I took a walk today, now, like is the not- team thing in in Pokemon Go as pointless as the uh, the color thing in uh, in in Ingress? Um, no, no, because you get you earn uh, gold by having by being in uh, in a gym and being part of a gym. So you can earn instead of doing the microtransaction, you can actually earn the the, the in-game money that way. Mm. There is a point to it. Okay. All right. Well, uh, we're at about that hour mark now. So, um, uh, guys, do you have anything you want to plug? Anything you want to recommend to the uh, to the uh, viewing and or listening audience? New R. Scott Backer book. Woo! Make sure you read it. <laughs> when is it coming out? It already came out. If you go to Barnes what? and Noble. <laughs> yeah. what? That's the same reaction. We were in the Barnes and Noble. Wait, what? <laughs> if, if you ordered it on Amazon, the release date is July twelfth. If you okay. go to a, if you go to Barnes and Noble, it's already on the shelves. Interesting. Actually, I, I like the local Barnes and Nobles. They're really cool. They sell lots of nice records. I bought a Skrillex well, they record. Sell, they sell some Barnes. And they sell some Nobles. Bought bought the uh, go, bought the Bangarang vinyl from uh, from the Barnes and Noble in uh, Glendale. Sure, but anything you want to plug? Uh, yes. 
It is actually a mobile game, weirdly enough, that isn't Pokemon Go. Oh, yes. There are others? Yes. Uh, it's a game called Glitch by a company called Chaos Theory Games. They're actually a, a little crew of local guys, like just university students, in fact. And they made a pretty damn good game. It's kind of like Snake for the first couple of levels, but it just slowly introduces more and more little glitches and changes that, uh, over time, it just slowly changes into a completely different game with the variation of it while still retaining that same core gameplay loop of, you know, trail around, don't hit yourself, and eat shit. Nice. I recommend it. And you can pick it up from chaostheorygames.com slash glitch or from the Google Play Store. I don't know if it's in the iTunes Store because I don't have an iPhone. So. <laughs> look anyway. A, it might be there. There you go. I've got a game to plug. What you got to plug? Uh, so at oh, many years ago, like two years ago, uh, at PAX there was... I, I believe they were at PAX. There was a game that was a cyberpunk bartending sim. Oh boy! And it looked interesting, yes. and it finally came out, <laughs> and it is quite good. It is called VA One Dash HA One One A, or Valhalla. You are a bartender that shit. in Glitch <laughs> City. It is. It has many tropes of the cyberpunk genre. It is quite good. Is that an earthquake? Basically, you learn about the various denizens of the city that in normal sci-fi bar scenes would be sort of set dressing. Uh, But in this game, you interact with them and you learn about their lives and, like, what it's like living in this, you know, dystopian hellscape. Uh, And you make friends and get people drunk. And uh, it's all good fun. Dude, you have a talking cat at a robot plant. Life can't get any better. (laughs) <laughs> yep. <laughs> no, it is really a good game. I I've picked it up myself during the Steam sale, even though it wasn't on sale. Bless me, I know it was not on sale. Dun dun dun. But I waited the whole Steam sale, and then eventually I was like, you know what? I should just play this. It's I've been waiting for a few years. Oh, it is so good, though, man. <laughs> I'm still just slowly digesting it all. It's fucking great and the amount of story they managed to tell with like just such a simple interface is pretty freaking respectable mm-hmm. there's no fancy rpg mechanics here just you know mixed drinks bruv <laughs> uh let's see for me i have uh i have two things to plug one is a one isn't actually a plug the other one is entirely different uh i'm gonna plug a mobile game i'm gonna plug alto uh, is a fantastic little uh, sledding sort of game. Uh, well, it's more snowboarding. If you like things like Line Rider, you're going to love Alto because you don't have to do the work of drawing the lines and you're actually just snowboarding. And uh, the premise is that you are a, uh, a llama herder and uh, you are on the top of a hill and Le Gasp, the llamas escape. And uh, you got to oh. go and... Get them, and as you do that, there's achievements. Uh, there's uh, specific goals you need to accom- you can accomplish, which will give you, um, which will pro- allow you to progress from one level to the other. One level being like your rank in the game. The entire thing is like could be it's like an endless sort of snowboarding thing, um, which lets you unlock characters and abilities like a wingsuit and a booster pack that lets you just power through obstacles. Uh, it's great fun. I think I'm at like level fifty three. 
something like that. Um, it, it's it's tremendous fun. Um, the other thing I'm going to plug is that um, Frostworks, the the company that quote unquote owns uh, Friday Night Party Line and Acceptable Vices, I've started a Patreon for us here to help fund uh, all this biz. Um, it's mostly going the the Patreon funding will be mostly going towards upgrading equipment. Like for example, I uh, so I don't have to use a, a Ubisoft fitness game webcam for the Wii as my webcam. Um, <laughs> Um, to uh, to get new sort of camera equipment to make more interesting and uh, hopefully revenue driving vi- uh, shows for the YouTube channel. Um, got a couple of shows that Valley, I right? Huh? Render uh, Overwatch videos more quickly. You know, funny you should say that because the next uh, video that I'm hoping to get done really quick is a uh, video series about the sound design of Overwatch. So, that, uh, yeah, that was a good show. That Overwatch show. You should watch it on YouTube instead of listening for once. But yeah. you know, if only we had some sort of art professional who <laughs> may have been able to speak with authority on the world design and character design more than just I like <laughs> art. <laughs> I lesson on the the tracer pose fiasco with my eighth grade. Oh yeah. Oh. Cool. Um. I would like you to have, as part of your Patreon, um, people fun- put funding toward getting the 80s uh, school photo backdrops. Like, so you have that full library. <laughs> I would really love to see you with some Starbursts or Rainbow. Uh, so, I, I could, I already, believe it or not, I already have all of those. Um <laughs> My big problem is that the lighting. Uh, it I do. I actually have all of them. I'm friends with some uh, with some uh, photography uh, with some photographers who do regularly like school photo type stuff. Uh, so I already have all of those backgrounds. Um, my problem is is that I do not have uh, sufficient. I don't have the right lighting to be able to properly do green screening. So mm-hmm. I can't just insert those. It'll come out really crappy looking. So lighting kit is among the things uh, trying to save up to get, as opposed to uh, Home Depot rail lights on the top of the ceiling, and then this monstrosity over here. (laughs) So that's what the Patreon's going towards, better actual equipment instead of things that are held together with duct tape and hope. You can also get a cone bra. What? <laughs> a cone bra. I think it'd be a good look for you. You got to see how many Is that what you're going towards? Madonna style look here? No, I just want you to dress funny and have funny background. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> I'm into it. Wouldn't be the first time I've worn a cone bra. Uh, it will be the last. <laughs> <laughs> I know what I'm doing right after this show. He's going to go put on his cone bra. <laughs> At any rate, well, that's the uh, well, that's the uh, the show. Then uh, you guys will hear from us next week on acceptable vices. Uh, for what I can't say, but I'm sure it'll be a fantastic uh, show that you will be uh, witness to. Ah, so uh, thank you to Kate, Adam, Nelson, and Cherba, and you will hear from us next time on acceptable vices. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Bye.
Friday Night Party Line is a Frostworks production. To find out more about us and what we do, check us out at www.frost.works. Hey everyone, Victor Frost here. Just wanted to let you guys know that Friday Night Party Line, as well as all of the other shows under the Frostworks network are brought to you in part by our supporters on Patreon who have so decided to be generous enough to give us money in order to help make these projects possible. Uh, but for Friday Night Party Line, as is the the allowed preference for those who donate $5 or more, the Patreon donor who has decided to select Friday Night Party Line as her Patreon Frostworks project of choice is Rochelle Montanona, who is a good friend of the show. She's been on a whole bunch of times, and she is, of course, one of the regular panelists on the podcast Atomic Trivia War 9000. So uh, thank you, Rochelle, for donating to Patreon. Supporters like you help make this show possible. And with that, something completely different.